Paul said in Colossians that from him and through him and to him are all things. Hallelujah. Lord, we give you glory in this place. Come on, let's just give him a shout of praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. We got to stay awake. You guys spring forward. Have you sprung forward? I'm still catching up. Come on. If you have your Bibles, turn with me into Psalm chapter 2 this morning. And we as a church over this past month, we felt the Lord lead us to pray every day. How many have been with us praying each and every day? We've been sending out some prayer focus via text. And I hope you're able to join us. I believe that uh, God wants us to go to a deeper level in prayer. How many believe that? A few of you do. How many believe that? <laughs> All right. Thank you. I know you're tired. I guarantee I'm more. All right. Um, no, it's good. And, and one of our core values, we've been going through some core values as a church and just uh, as we were going through the transition last year, we got together and said, what really defines us as a, ch- as a church? What are some things that we consider core values? And number, we talked about last month, above all things, above all, love. Amen? But this month, we're focused on prayer as a priority. And I believe we're not just to be a church who prays, but a praying church. It's part of our identity as the saints, as the priests. The Bible says you are a royal priesthood a holy nation, a chosen generation, a people for his own possession. Come on. We belong to him, and we are called to a life of prayer, and I believe it's one of the greatest things we have access to in prayer, the riches of heaven, the supply of heaven to bring to earth and to, God, to bring God's kingdom and his purpose about through prayer. Um, and as I, was, as I was thinking about this, I was thinking about last Christmas and every birthday we have at our house and at least for our kids and leading up to christmas we ask our kids to give us their christmas list any parents do that a few of you all right well we do and uh we have different responses from my two children quite a disparity in their response actually and i got gabe's permission to share this so um that's good and he's not charging me this time which is good um but gabriel uh comes to me with he comes to us with a very long list in small font, and, and there, there's, something, there's some things about his list that strike me. He's very specific in his list. He, he does his research when he wants to get something, and he, he knows the specific model number, the specific features he needs, and he puts the Amazon link in his list. I kid you not. Uh, our daughter, on the other hand, she's much more modest with her list. Uh, she, uh, so we have to, which is all good. We just have to be more creative with her. We know specifically what Gabe wants. And he asks big. So he asks even beyond what we, he knows our budget is. But he has no shame in doing it. Come on. He asks boldly, all right? And uh, he, he, knows, he knows he's going to get, he doesn't care if it's expensive. He's going to ask because he figures if I don't ask, I, I definitely won't get it. And he asks with expectancy because he knows 
who we are and that we love him. And I told him, I said, you know, you know, Gabe, I'm so glad that you do this because it speaks volumes about who you are and it speaks volumes about what you think about the people who love you. That you know you're loved and that you know you can ask big. Now, there are some things on that list we can't get him just by virtue of wallet. There are some things on that list that we won't get him. Come on. All right. Like, it's not time for you to have this, or, or if we get you this, it's going to be a problem in your life, and here's why. So it's, it, it brings about a conversation. How many have had these conversations? We would love to get that for you, but here's some reasons why we can't or won't. And uh, so we reason with them, and reasoning with kids is awesome. Um, but here's what I've noticed as they get older, they begin to understand and they begin to uh, understand the rationale and your reasoning and they begin to trust your reasoning a little more, hopefully, um, in the sense that they know you love them and you want what's best. And so as I was thinking about this, I think it has some parallels to us in our prayers and in our relationship to the Lord and how we ask. So this morning, I really want to share with you on an invitation to ask. As I was reading through scripture and I looked at all the scriptures that talk about how God asks us to ask, I, I realized how broad and how awesome his ask invitation is and how often we neglect it. Anybody else? Don't ask as much as we should. Um, but we need to learn some specific, some big, some bold, some expectant prayers. Come on, somebody. The real, reality is that God has given us tremendous access. And if we actually believed who he said, you know, we'll say this a lot. We love Ephesians chapter 3, verse 20. It says, now to him who's able to do exceedingly, abundantly, above and beyond what you could ever ask or think or imagine. Right? Do we pray that way? Do we pray with big prayers, bold prayers? Do we pray with expectancy? Do we pray with specificity? Because specificity means you're looking for specific answers, not just general bless me prayers, but I mean specific things in your life. How many have some specific things in your life you're asking God for this morning? And he, and he encourages us to ask. I found this quote from a gentleman by the name of Principal Alexander White, and it says, the greatest and best talent that God gives to any man or woman in the world is the talent of prayer. You know, we have so many endeavors in life. We work hard to play instruments. We work hard to preach. We work hard to uh, do your job, whatever your occupation is. We work hard as parents. Come on. But how many know none of those things can be effective without prayer and the aid of heaven? Prayer gives us access to the aid of heaven in all that we do. And sometimes we can just get in a mode where we're going about life and we are not asking for his help. And he's saying, ask. Ask of me. Unlock the limited storehouses of heaven in your life. The price of us not asking is enormous. Sin reigns, Satan reigns, families and lives are destroyed around us, nations crumble, all because we fail to ask and meet the most basic, basic condition that God says, ask of me. 
Ian Bounds says this. He says, ask of me, ask of God. We have not rested on prayer. We have not made prayer the sole condition. There has been violation of the primary condition of prayer. We have not prayed aright. We have not prayed at all. God is willing to give, but we are slow to ask. Come on. The Son through His saints is ever praying, and God the Father is ever answering. So let's look at this awesome passage in Psalm 2. And before we do, let's just pray. We thank you for your word this morning. Holy Spirit, we thank, the, thank you that you, are, you breathe upon your word. You bring life this morning that you speak to our hearts. Holy Spirit, we ask that you would open the eyes of our heart, the eyes of our understanding to see what is the hope of your calling. Lord, we hear your ask this morning for us to ask of you. And God, I pray, Lord, that you would stir within us a heart of prayer and intercession. Lord, to join with you in prayer and in your intercessions at the right hand of the Father. God, move upon each and every one of our hearts this morning, Holy Spirit, by your power, by your word. We long to hear from you. We incline our ears to you. In Jesus' name, everybody said... And it says in Psalm 2, verses 7 and 8, it says, I will surely tell of the decree of the Lord. He said to me, you are my son. Today I have begotten you. Ask of me, and I will surely give the nations as your inheritance and the very ends of the earth as your possession. What's interesting to me here is it's speaking of this conversation in the Godhead between the Father and the Son, and he, the father saying, I want you to ask of me, and I will give you the nations. And it should tell us something, that God set forth a pattern of how he works in our lives. That we ask him, we invite him. If God requires his own son to ask, should, we not, should he not require us who are his sons through faith to ask? Come on. The prayer, Andrew Murray says this, the prayer of the man Jesus, Christ Jesus is the link between the eternal asking of the only begotten Son in the bosom of the Father and the prayer of men upon earth. Prayer has its rise and its deepest source in the very being of God, in the bosom of deity. Nothing is ever done without prayer, the asking of the Son and the giving of the Father. Amen? Wow. Nothing is ever done without prayer. I wonder if we would embrace that this morning. So first and foremost, turn, turn with me to Matthew 7. We're going to park here for a little bit, but I want to, I want to share four things where I really believe on how we ask. You know, you have the conversation with your kids, and they ask you something, they go, that's how you ask. <laughs> they come boldly, and maybe they forgot please or something like that, but God has specified in his word how we are to ask him, and um, and to approach him in prayer. And in Matthew 7, when Jesus teaching on the Sermon on the Mount, he comes to this verse in chapter 7, verse 7. He says, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. And in one version, it, 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 it's an ongoing present Verb saying, keep on asking. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. Find, uh, knock and keep on knocking. So we don't give up. Are you with me this morning? We don't give up when at first we don't get the response or the answer we need. We keep pressing in. We keep. So number one is we ask with persistence. See, 
Persistence is something that's lacking in our society. Why? Because we want what we want now. We want the Burger King way. Come on. I want it my way, and I want it now. I want the microwave version of Christianity. But God in the asking, see, he's working something in us. He's working in us his will. He's working in us. There's relationship in this asking. He's not, it's not transactional. He's asking us to come to him as the father and, and, and ask him. How many have had that conversation where your kids do something? You go, Why didn't you ask me first? Why didn't you ask me first? And you see, as we grow in dependency in the Lord, we ask more, not less. We ask more, not less. We ask him to get into the finer details of our life. Ask of me, says the Lord. Jesus, in this passage, has already touched on the necessity of prayer in, in, in Matthew chapter 6. And I love what he says, and Pastor John shared this awesome last week, that he says, don't be like the Gentiles with their meaningless repetitions. For your father knows what you have need of even before you ask. You say, well, wait, wait, and now he's talking about asking, and there he's like, I already know. So why ask? Well, there he's talking, we look at the context of Matthew chapter 6. What is he talking about? Your basic needs. Your basic needs. Father's got you taken care of, amen? Every need you have, clothing, food, raiment, covering, he's got these covered. He says, I already know what you have need of. And then he goes into the disciples' prayer. We call it the Lord's Prayer, but it's really our prayer in Matthew chapter 6. So leading up to that, and he's saying, you don't have to worry. You don't have to be anxious. Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Those things which concern you that are, yet you need, your essential needs, God's got you taken care of. Somebody say amen. He's got you taken care of. So it's important that we look at this passage and its context and it's where it's sandwiched. Before this, he's talking about not being judgmental. Not looking at the speck in your brother's eye when you've got a big log in your eye. Come on. And then he's talking about after that, the golden rule, which Pastor John taught about in January. So you go, well, what, why is it here? What's the context? What's God trying to say in this passage here? And I believe there's much to learn. We recognize that it's predicated. His, his ask to ask is predicated on the fact that we seek first the kingdom of God. Are you with me? Are you seek first the kingdom of God? This kind of persistent, progressively intensifying prayer life is necessary in order to see God's kingdom come about in our life. Are you with me? From asking to seeking to knocking, progressively intensifying, not giving up, persisting. And I believe the fact that Jesus mentions the golden rule after this, in the next part which we'll read, these are tied together because our prayer life is to have the aim, get this, is to have the aim of the expression of Father's goodness to those around us. 
Through our prayers, we reveal God's nature and his character. He is a giver of every good and perfect gift. And when you have confidence and know that, hey, he's taking care of me, now I can concern myself with his kingdom and those around me. Amen? I believe that is the kingdom. One of the laws of the kingdom is that as we concern ourselves with others, God's taking care of us. And how many know somebody else is praying for you? I believe that. I thank you. I know you guys pray for me. I appreciate it. Especially when I need to preach. Um, The more closely we walk with God, the more intimately we understand his unspeakable longing for the salvation of humankind and for all spiritual blessing for his people. Wesley Duell. There is a guaranteed outcome. Are you listening? There is a guaranteed outcome if we don't give up. If we don't give up. Because he says the one who asks will receive. Now, I wonder if we always believe that. Maybe we're afraid to ask specifically because we're afraid we might not see what we ask for. Make our requests known. We go on asking until we receive. We go on asking until we receive. Action on our part. Seeking is this. Seeking is the action that we keep going after it. Saying, Lord, I'm going to seek your will. I'm going to seek your purpose. I'm going to seek exactly what you want in the specific area of my life. I'm not going to quit until I find it. And then knocking. I love this. Because it implies that there, you don't have to knock the door down. You just knock. All he needs is your will. All he needs, I mean, it doesn't take strength and all that. You just need to knock. And you keep on knocking until you get the door opened. That God's got some doors to open in your life, but he asks that you pursue and you go after it and you knock and not give up. I put this down. Don't be a ding-dong ditcher. You guys have that? Somebody walks up to your door and runs. And we've done that. We get to the knocking stage and we're like, okay. God's like, no, no, keep knocking. Maybe he's upstairs. Don't give up. And this is why Jesus says, and he gave the parable in Luke chapter 18, he says, he gives the parable about the widow and the unjust judge and And his purpose was this, that men ought not to give up prayer or lose heart and give up praying. Here's the thing. As as we get closer and closer to the end times, how many know we are closer than we were yesterday? Satan's goal is to wear you down, to wear down the saints. Jesus ends that parable by saying, will the son of man find faith on earth when he comes back? Will he find faith? Will there be endurance? Will those endure in faith to the end? Because it's going to be challenging. So we better build up our our discipline. We better build up our desires now and be strengthened in him. Amen? Going on in Matthew chapter 7. Oh, what man is there among you who when his son asks for a loaf will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, he will not give him a snake, will he? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will the Father who is in heaven give what is good? Somebody say, what is good? To those who ask him. 
Mm. You know what I believed when I was younger? I believed that what God wanted for me was not good enough. I believed that what was out there was better. I found out quickly that's not true. So let me save you some time this morning. Have you been, you've been thinking the grass is greener on the other side of the fence? I got news for you. It's not better. It's not better. I've been there. If you think it's fun to sit on the fence, it's awfully uncomfortable. Don't do it. Yeah. God is the giver of every good and perfect gift. And he knows what is good for us. I know you guys are all saying amen, but there's times, come on, if we're just honest, where we're in prayer, and we're asking God, and we're like, mm, I don't want that quite. That's not how I was thinking it would go. But if we'll trust him, if we'll submit to him, if we'll surrender to him, our Father will, will give us what is best. Father knows be- what's best. In everything, therefore, treat people the same way you want them to treat you. For this is the law and the prophets. Yes, that is tied to prayer. Because I can pray for somebody else. This is true intercession. When we pray for somebody else as if we were in their situation. I'm going to say that again. Because when the Holy Spirit moves upon you and gives you a prayer burden for somebody, He allows you, if you will, to feel what they feel and to pray from that position of desperation and circumstance that they're in. Some of you experience that. That's how God works. If we will just surrender saying, God, show me somebody who's in need of prayer right now, and I'm going to pray for them as if it was me in that place. Treat them as if, treat them in the way you want them to treat you. See, because I want, if I'm in a crisis, I want you to pray for me that way. Amen? So we were going to pray outside of ourselves. If our prayer life is limited to ourselves, we've greatly limited what God can do through our life. Oh, you guys got quiet. I know it's spring forward. Don't get quiet on me. All right. Number two, asking boldly. I'm going to keep it simple this morning. 1 John 5, 14 and 15 says, This is the confidence which we have before him, that if we ask anything according to his will, somebody say according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request which we have asked from him. There's a confidence there. And I want to say this morning, God's will is not a mystery. God desires to reveal to you his will. He's not hiding it from you. Come on. It's in his word. It's in his word. He reveals what he desires. He reveals what he wants. I'll give you an example. The Lord is not slow concerning his promise. It says in 2 Peter 3, verse 9, as some might consider, but he is desiring that all should repent. So there's, you're saying, Lord, I don't know how to pray. We had those moments. He desires that all should repent. Are there some people in your life who need to repent? There's a prayer point. We can pray his will. 
And we can find his will. It's not a mystery. See, Paul prays this, and we should pray this. This is a prayer we should pray for ourselves and for others, but he prays this in Colossians chapter 1. He says, For this reason also since the day we heard of it, we have not ceased to pray for you and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Filled with what? The knowledge of his will. The Holy Spirit will reveal to you his will concerning matters. And even when it may not be explicitly stated in here, God can give you clarity. Come on. The question is, will we seek it? Will we ask and keep on asking till we find it and wait till we know his will before we move? Oh, got quiet again. All right. So that you will walk in a manner worthy of the Lord to please him in all respects. See, this is the motivation to walk in a manner worthy and to please him in all respects. And then secondly, thirdly, to bear fruit. To bear fruit in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. I don't know about you, but I want this in my life. I want this in my life. That's a good prayer. And then in Romans, Paul says this. He writes and he tells us that we are to prove what the will of God is. To prove it. One version says, prove it and approve it. And do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the what? Renewing Renewing of your mind. So that you may prove what the will of God is. that, That which is good and acceptable and perfect. Because that's what God does. It's good, it's acceptable, it's perfect. It's always good. It's always acceptable. It's always perfect. That's why we can say yes and amen to his purpose and plan in our life. Being renewed in, from the vines means this. It says the adjustment of the moral and spiritual vision and thinking to the mind of God, which is designed to have a transforming effect upon your life. The adjustment of our moral and spiritual vision. See, we need to see as he sees. That's the renewing. We don't see with the natural eyes, but God opens the eyes of our heart and to see what he sees. To see people the way he sees it. To see circumstances the way he sees it. To see his will and his plan and his purpose. Open our eyes, Jesus. Renew our minds this morning. And here's what happens. You understand why. He says, well, why does he say keep on asking? Because we have to overcome some things in our asking. We have to overcome some things in our asking. We've got to overcome ourselves. We've got to overcome ourselves because in us many times is our own way of thinking. It's our own will. It's our self-will. It's our desires that need to be conformed to his desires. And we're asking, and as we ask, we realize in this conversation, in this relationship, the Lord goes, no, I've got something better for you. You see, in the asking, we find that. We have to ask, we have to overcome some obstacles that aren't from God. Come on. When we are praying his will, there's resistance. See, Daniel prayed, and three weeks later, the answer came. Three weeks later. What was happening in that three weeks? The Lord says, I heard your prayer right when you prayed. And I sent the angel to answer, but there was a battle, there was a warfare that took place between the prayer time and the answer time. 
What happens during that time? I'm keeping asking. I'm keeping asking to release what God has asked for. I don't give up. I keep seeking until I find it. I keep knocking until that door is open. We need to build some persistence, some endurance in our life. When we pray the will of God, we are closing the circuit. We're agreeing with the agenda of heaven to come down to earth. Amen? That's what we're praying. Lord, not my agenda, but yours. I'm going to lay down what I want, and I want what you want. That's my ask. And when my ask lines up, it's like, it's like a dartboard, and you're lining up, you're adjusting your throw until you hit that bullseye. I want to hit the middle of the will of God in my life. Come on, somebody. God's will doesn't just happen. See, here, sometimes we're passive because we believe the wrong things about how God works. He has chosen to work with us. And he needs our agreement for things to happen on earth. Are you with me? He needs our agreement for things to happen on earth. He says his eyes look to and fro, looking for somebody who will agree. Who will just say yes to my will. And that one person, that one person can agree, then he can accomplish what he wants. And Isaiah said, I couldn't find anybody. So I stretched forth my own arm and brought forth salvation. God's always looking for somebody who's willing to stand in the gap for his purpose and his plan to be realized in the earth. Anybody this morning would say, here I am, Lord. Here I am. I want to I be that. I want to be that. God, let your will be done. We can't just sit back and relax. We can't grow passive. We must pray. We must ask. And having confidence requires that our own, has, has to deal with our heart too. First John 3, 21 and 22 says, Beloved, if our heart does not condemn us, we have confidence before God. You see, this is, this is where a lot of our prayer life falls apart. Because our own heart is condemning us. But, you know, before this, it says that God is greater than our own heart. How many have done that? You've gone to prayer, and maybe you've messed up. Maybe you've not had the best week ever. And you're like, ah, God's not going to hear me this one. He heard you before you were saved. He's, he's listening. His ear is still attending to your cry. If you need to get it right, you need to get some things under the blood, then do it. But he's not mad at you. Come on. God's not mad at you. He's not condemning you. Our own hearts condemn us. That's where that comes from. Our own hearts condemn us, and that affects our confidence and our place of faith in prayer. That's why we need to pray David's prayer. God, cleanse my heart. Create in me a clean heart. Amen? And whatever we ask, we receive from him because we keep his commandments and do the things that are pleasing in his sight. And his commandments, we're loving God, we're loving our neighbors, and we're in that place. And there's that, then there's that, that's where the prayer flows from. Prayer flows from love. Come on, somebody. Prayer flows from love. It's the love of the Lord and it's love of our neighbors from which prayer flows in our life. 
Number three, we're asking in faith. Matthew 21, 22, I'm going to move fast. In all things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. I heard one person say this. It's like praying for rain and faith is the umbrella when there's no rain. You see, I'm going to act and I'm going to move as if that thing's already done. Did you hear me? I'm going to act and I'm going to move as if that thing's already done. What is my action here? That's what, it, that's what prayer doesn't lead to just passivity. Prayer doesn't lead to doing nothing. Prayer that, prayer that is only prayer is not prayer. Prayer that is only prayer is not prayer. It leads to obedience. It leads to an act of faith. So if I'm believing for something in my prayer life and I believe that I've received it because I know it's in the will of God and the plan of God and the purpose of God and I'm, and I'm walking in his ways and I'm seeking his kingdom, come on, then I can have confidence and now I can believe that I receive it. Amen. Mark chapter 11 23 and 24. Truly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, we need to talk some mount, to some mountains this morning, be taken up and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart. There it is again. Does not doubt in his heart, but believes that what he says is going to happen. It will be granted him. Therefore, I say to you, all things which you pray and ask, believe that you have received them, and they will be granted to you. Both of these passages come after a, a, physical, uh, a physical example that Jesus gave. He's walking with his disciples, and he comes upon a fig tree, and it did not have fruit, and he curses the fig tree, and the Bible says it was withered to the roots. That'd be pretty cool to see. And the disciples go, wait, hey, Jesus, there's that fig tree that you spoke to. It's, it's withered. It's dried up. And then he uses that and he goes, no, let me show you something. Some of you like uh, illustrations and messages. He used one right there. Let me, show, let me tell you something about prayer. If you believe, then you can actually take a, you can believe that a mountain be taken up and cast into the sea. Amen? So, Number four, asking with right motive. Asking with right motive. James, James doesn't mince words. Amen. He says, what is the source of quarrels and conflicts among you? Is not the source your pleasures that wage war in your members? You lust and do not have, so you commit murder. You are envious and cannot obtain, so you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. Verse 3 goes on to say, you ask and do not receive because you ask with wrong motives so that you may spend it on your pleasures. Whew. All right, we're going to get honest for a moment. If we're real about, he says, these are the works of the flesh because the flesh fights against the spirit in us. Come on. And there's a battle. And he says there's, that you are the source of your conflict, the source of the things happening between you and other people is your own pleasures that wage war in your members. And what happens is we lust and we don't have, and so we do things we shouldn't do. We become envious. And James, he says this, he says, where there is self-ambition and envy, every evil work is present. 
Ooh. So we should throw a caution flag when we feel that in our life. Selfish ambition, envy, those things need to go. Why? They came from Satan. That was his problem. Talk about the original sin in, 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 was Lucifer in heaven saying, I, I will be like God. Envy. Selfish ambition. And so all of that flows from that. And so he's calling this out and he's saying, you don't, and then he goes on to say, you don't have because you don't ask. You don't ask. And I think that's something to sit with us this morning. Have we not asked? We're looking at our lives. We're looking at something. There's a promise of God that's hanging over us. There's something that we're waiting for. There's something that we were believing for. And maybe we gave up and he's staying. Keep asking. Don't quit asking. Don't quit seeking. Don't quit knocking. Our motives in prayer. Here's our true motives that God calls us. Look at John 14. He says, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do and greater. Somebody say greater works than these he will do because I go to the Father. Are we seeing that? If it's a no, we need to ask. Oh, you got quiet again. We need to ask. The motive is this. Whatever you ask in my name, that's my authority, that's my approval, that's who I am. So if I'm asking something that doesn't align with those things, then it's not in his name. So that the Father may be glorified in the Son. My asking, the motive is for his, what? His glory. For his glory. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. If you love me, you will keep my commandments. Going on to John chapter 15. If, verse 7, if you abide in me. Ooh, this is where we need to find ourselves. If you abide in me. Oh, that's the place. That's the place he calls us to is a place of abiding. Not just temporary residence. Not just a vacation spot. Not just a place that we go when we're tired. But we live and we abide in him. And his words abide in us. Folks, I'm telling you, as the word gets planted in your heart, as it takes root in your heart, as you allow it, as you meditate on it, then from that becomes the revelation of the will of God. From that comes effective prayer. Because we pray his word. We pray his will. We pray his purpose from that place. Whatever you wish, ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. See, someone, some of us just want to take that part. Ask whatever you wish and it'll be done for you. Nope, we lost, we lost the if. If we'll abide in him. And again, the motive is what? Verse 8, my father is glorified by this. And he's glorified by this, that you bear fruit. Much fruit. And so prove to be my disciples. There is the proof point of discipleship that there is fruit in your life. 
that there is fruit in your life, and that's what we need to be seeking after. Our asking needs to be to that end. God, I want to be fruitful for your kingdom. Just as we were praying in Colossians chapter 1, that we may walk in a manner that's worthy and pleasing to him, worthy of our calling and pleasing to him, and bear much fruit in all of our work. Bearing fruit for his kingdom. And I thought about, why don't we ask? You see, I was challenged this week. We have this saying at work. Every year, you got to create your new goals for the year. Anybody do that? A few of you? Okay. Goals are good. And we have this term. It's called BHAG. Big, hairy, audacious goals. I know it sounds weird. I don't know who came up with it. But I just was thinking about that. The Lord said, have you... When's the last time you prayed some big audacious prayers? When's the last time you asked for the impossible? When's the last time that you put a demand on me that I might be glorified in doing something that's well beyond your human capability? When's the last time you did that? I was challenged. I want to get beyond just praying for getting through the day. Come on, somebody. I want to pray for some big things. I want to live on the edge. I want to see God shake a city. I want to see God shake the church in, across America. I want to see souls and con- conversions in mass. I want to see God pour out his spirit. I want to ask him for things that are above and beyond whatever I could ask or think or imagine. Where's our big, audacious prayers? When's the last time you said, God, I want something big for your kingdom? Holy Spirit, thank you. Stir us this morning. Man, if we had some people that just, just, just kept asking... They just kept seeking. They just kept knocking. They didn't give up. I just believe God's just saying, just give me one or two. Just give me a few people like that who will just get hold of my heart and who will not give up until they see it. Who just can't be callous to the needs around them anymore. Whose hearts are open to me and what I feel and what I see. Just give me someone who say, God, here I am. Let's stand as we close this morning. And, and I want to give a word of encouragement to somebody. I've been meditating on this passage in, in Isaiah 30, and I've prayed it several times in our Sunday night gatherings, but it sticks with me. And it says, the Lord, in verse 18, therefore the Lord longs to be gracious to you. You hear that? The Lord longs to be gracious to you. And therefore, he waits on high to have compassion on you. For the Lord is a God of justice. Hmm. The Bible says in Romans that he's both the just and the justifier. He goes on to say, how blessed are all those who long for him. 
I'm going to say that again. How blessed are all those who long for him. Speaks to our desire. He says, O people of Zion, inhabitant in Jerusalem, you will weep no longer. He will surely be gracious to you at the sound of your cry. When he hears it, he will answer you. And what's really fascinating about this passage is it's sandwiched, it's couched right in the middle of a pronouncement of judgment over a rebellious nation. He speaks this incredible word about his desire for Israel, his desire for his people. And we as believers in Christ are the people of Zion. He has desires for you. He longs to be gracious to you. Maybe you've lost heart and you begin to question God. You begin to question his purpose and plan in your life because you weren't seeing it. But the Lord says, I long for it. But do you long for it? Do you long for it? Do you long for it? Is it in your heart? Do you desire what I desire? How blessed are those who long for him. When all the other stuff is stripped away. When everything else is gone. And that's what was happening in that moment, that time of judgment. Everything was being stripped away. And all, we were left, all they were left with was, will you long for me? All these things have come into the way. I have to take you out. You've disobeyed. And we know as parents, we don't like the disciplining process. Kids, you know, my parents used to say that to me. I didn't believe it. Oh, I don't like this. I don't like doing this. I'm sure you don't. Yeah. And then I became a parent. I'm like, oh, I get it. I get it. I get it. But the Lord says he longs. And he had to wait. What was he waiting for? He's waiting for their response. He's waiting for their longing. You see, and the asking comes from the longing. Desire is, at the, is the fuel for the asking. Desire is the fuel for the asking. Psalms 37.4 says, if we will delight in him, he will give us the desires of our heart. That means begins to literally transform your desires. He begins to make your desires like his. To long after what he longs for. And I wonder if this morning if we could just do that and just say, God, come and change my desires. I delight in you, Father. I love you, Lord. Have your way in me this morning. Have your way in me this morning. I wonder if there's some here who have lost heart in asking. And I believe the Holy Spirit's here to just encourage you and to strengthen you and to say, keep asking, don't give up. That promise. Keep seeking me. I love it when you ask of me, people. I love it when you come to boldly before my throne. Because he's the God, if there's nothing too hard for him, there's nothing too difficult for our God. 
We can come in faith. We can come in boldness. He says, come boldly before my throne in time of need. And my throne of grace, he calls it the throne of grace. Come boldly to that place. What an invitation. Ask whatsoever you ask. Believing you shall receive. Ask of me and I'll give you the nations. wonder if he'd stir up within you this morning and ask an audacious ask God says I want to do way more than I'm doing now but I need you to ask I need you to ask I need you to desire 